Welcome to another episode of The Greatest Pod, where we discuss and debate what makes something great. I'm Ed Greer. And I'm Ron Swallow. And today we have an awesome guest. She is a stand-up comic, the author of The Red Cedar, which has been featured in Mutiny Magazine number one. And also, she's a friend of the pod. Please put your hands <laughs> together for Izzy Salhani. What's up, everybody? Thank you so much for coming on the pod. Thanks for having me. Uh, now, I just want to get right into it. Uh, we're obviously going to ask you about your nerdy origins and stuff, but you did write a comic book, and I just want you to talk a little bit about that. It's in Mutiny Magazine, as Ron said, 55 pages. Can you describe how dope it was to be featured in a magazine, especially a number one of a magazine, as a, as a comic book author? Uh, it, it was surreal. You know, like I've been reading comic books since I was a kid, and uh, the opportunity just kind of came out of nowhere. You know, like we're all stand-ups, so keeping in touch with people that you meet early on in the process, um, it, you know, that's why they say that's how you're going to get all your work. And for the fact that that took me into the comic book world was um, really surreal. And I was just like, scroll. I had a terrible summer. Um, I tried moving to Florida and it, it didn't work out. And so I was on my way back. I was in Atlanta and just chilling in my friend's living room, scrolling through Facebook and saw um, a pitch sheet that she wanted people to fill out because another comic had um, written for them and her book was successful. So I sent my pitch because I'd been working on this idea during the lockdown phase of the pandemic, mm -hmm. um, but just kind of, it was still like a, like a infant thought. And they accepted the pitch and I had to get writing right away. And so I finished writing, I want to say sometime in October. And then I was published by November. Whoa. That's amazing. So what's the story about if you're like a, a short synopsis, because we can't give everything away because you've got to read it, guys. Yeah, uh, it's about a journalist um, who is Lebanese and has to return to Beirut to avenge the death of her father. And uh, her father has been killed by the government. Ooh. That shit is hard, man. I lo I love that. That and I can see uh, you've you've got everything in there. The stakes going up against impossible odds. Uh, you know, relatable character who has you know uh, some gravitas behind them. All check, 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 check. I, I that I love. I'd love to read that. Yeah. Um, awesome. Hope you do. Get a chance. I feel like it should be made into a movie too. Like that, I could see some John Wick style shit happening in that too. Yeah, I want to turn it into an animated series as soon as I get the IP back. Um, I got really lucky with the publishing deal. That's fantastic. How did you end up reading comics, and how did you end up doing stand up? Uh, my dad used to read me comics. Um, do you ever read Tintin or Tintin? I guess they say in English and Asterix. Asterix oh, was my yeah. favorite comic. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's like a he's little a barbarian guy dude. From France goes yeah. around reading of Romans. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I started with those, and then I, I, I guess you could say graduated or moved on to uh, the Justice League of America, and that was my jam in middle school and high school was reading Justice League comics. Um, and then I had a friend who was in the Marvel universe, and so we would switch JLA and X Men back and forth. And then all you know, I also grew up in the golden age of cartoons, so all the great. You know, the Batman cartoons, the Justice League cartoons, um, the X-Men cartoons, those uh, Ninja Turtles. Those are all things that were part of, like, you know, the pop culture in the 90s. I, I got yeah, into stand-up because as a kid, my friend, the one I would trade comic books, who was, like, my best friend, my only friend that I ever wanted to hang out with, was always busy on Friday nights. So I started watching uh, stand-up Comedy Central Presents. 
uh, and there's their <laughs> half hour specials. And I was like, well, I always want to do that. And uh, then I did high school theater instead because there was no stand-up class, but there was a theater class. And then when I moved to LA, I was in film school and I hated it. And I just dropped out. My roommate was a, was a stand-up comedian. So I followed him to an open mic and I started doing that religiously. And I dropped out of film school and started doing comedy. That's a better origin story than a lot of other people have, which is like, oh, my my parents got divorced or my dad stabbed my mom and now I <laughs> do stand-up. And you're like, oh, okay. Oh, God. <laughs> Why? Well, like st- stand-ups and vigilantes are born the same way. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's, all, it's always sure. terrible. But uh, but seriously, I think what's interesting about your uh, dedicating yourself to comedy and then rolling into comic books is interesting because it's a, it's a similar path that I'm trying to trod right now. Uh, and mm-hmm. I think you mentioning all those teams earlier, those are, those are all kind of teams. And JLA is a big-ass team, Justice League Unlimited, all, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So I just think um, it is interesting that we're here to talk about like a team of people and the, the, by the time people see this, they'll see the title that I'm thinking about calling it the greatest X-Men are women because it's just like a fact, yeah. you know, some of our titles, we kind of put a question mark there sort of implied. This one isn't implied to me. Uh, and I, cause you wanted to talk about a few X-Men characters. We couldn't quite nail, nail it down. I'm just thinking who are the, who are the kind of three characters that you centered on when you looked at the X-Men? Um, the ones that I was drawn to the most, especially reading the comic books when I was younger, were Storm, Rogue, and Jean Grey. Um, and all for different reasons, but I-, I think the ability to manipulate weather is like the coolest thing. Um, <laughs> and Rogue's, I, her, her, her reluctance to get to know her power, like, I think that's something that really resonates with women. It's like, you you have all these things at your disposal, but you're nervous to learn about them or to use them because of how it will be perceived or mm. the, the like ramifications of what can happen when you get in, involved with someone that you care about. Um, and then Jean Grey, I also took to that character a lot because she has like a, a wealth of knowledge to pull from when she's like basically the, the mentee of Charles Xavier. They all sound like they're all kind of a, of, a piece of your personality in a way. It's like one has cool uh, style and a cool power. One is grappling with her insides and who she is and what she can do. Um, and the other isn't just a person, but is actually a spiritual being. Oh, yeah. And I, I guess I never thought about it and prompted it. So yeah, but that, that's why I take to those characters. I think they're all super cool. Jean Grey being there since the beginning, kind of grandmothered in to the to the whole X Men thing is interesting because it's almost like not an X Men team if she's not somewhere on it, or if people aren't thinking about her on some level. You know what I mean? Like even when she's not there, people are just like, "Damn, man, Jean, she's gone, man." They just it's it's she's like really big lady on campus, really. And uh, and then Rogue comes in out of the cold, you know what I mean? Like uh, like I remember comics where uh, she would come to the X Men's door, ask them for help, and she, they, she'd already like fucked them over back in the days. And then like Colossus would be like ready to fist mm-hmm. fight her on the lawn because he's like, oh, who this? Why? How dare she come here? And then she becomes like a tentpole X Men character. I think that's a super sick arc, as Ron would say. Yeah, yeah, I'm obsessed with arcs, and and Rogue has one of the better arcs in in X-Men period, because she kind of does start out. No, she doesn't kind of start. She's a bad guy at first. And she really does become um, like one of the pillars and 
probably, I would argue, maybe even one of the moral uh, tent poles of the X-Men. That is something that I think the three of these characters have in common is that they're all very like empathetic and have strong moral compasses. Yeah. hundred percent. Yes. It seems like storm um, is, is I think overall, I think, yeah, maybe Jean and storm are the, are the big, big mamas of like what the X-Men do or don't do. Like if storm is down mm-hmm. to go down into the tunnels and stab somebody, then that's what we're going to go do. And if she's like, well, yeah. I don't want us to do that. I think we shouldn't do that. Then you're not going to do that. It is, it is um, interesting how, how much of a boss uh, storm is pretty quickly into her run because she's just like, I'm not a hothead. I'm not in love with anybody. I'm not, I'm not tripping on anything. I got all of it locked down. Mm-hmm. I can see it like, like clearly. Uh, so I'll just, say what we should probably should do and then but but then subverting that by having her be scared of closed spaces and stuff uh because of her claustrophobic Mm -hmm. uh past you know uh in egypt uh that stuff is super sick because it showed us that like you could be the most powerful omega level anything you want to be and get into a situation that triggers you and then all that power goes away and that's called being a person you know exactly yeah she's very human in how her abilities are affected by her emotions and her psyche like that is i think one of the one of the humanizing factors of x-men is that they all have like a, a piece of them that is you know human it, even though they're mutants they they're still human at the end of the day some of my favorite runs with storm were when <laughs> strangely enough or when she didn't even have powers because that was when she was like storm was like the leader of the x-men and she, I argue she's the best leader of the X-Men by far. Uh, Scott always fucks up in some way because he's, I don't know what's wrong with Scott. He's kind <laughs> of a hot ego. Head. Yeah. The hot head, but he's also like, he's a, like giving things up to, to rescue Gene. Like, yeah, I remember a couple books where he would just fuck everything up just so Gene wouldn't get killed. And in the end, she yeah. dies anyways. <laughs> it seems like she's like super doomed, man. Let's hit on all of them and just sort of go through each one and kind of talk about some of the stuff you like uh, best from it. So I would say my favorite part about Jean Grey would have to be her her ability to like just totally woo these guys like Wolverine and Cyclops. She has them both kind of wrapped around her finger in a way to get them to do what she wants, which I think I, when I was a kid, I was like, oh, man, that's so cool. I want to be like that. <laughs> Um, now as an older reader, I'm like, yeah, they could they could have focused on other things about her personality, you know. But oh, I feel like a large part of her storyline was wrapped around her involvement with these two dudes. Um, but her her ability to get them to be peaceful with one another because a Wolverine yeah. is such a lone wolf, and and Scott is like such a Boy Scout to get them to work together, um, to get to get the whole team to to work as a whole as a unit. That speaks yep. for itself. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. That is one of her better her better traits. She's she's so good at at like bringing people together. I, I think all all of them are like that, except for Rogue. I would argue Rogue isn't necessarily great at bringing people together, but she's also integral to them winning a lot of times. Because yeah, well, I think that's because of her relationship with Wolverine. Yeah. She has like a kind of like a father daughter thing going on with Wolverine in every iteration. Like even when her origin story differs from original books they always mm-hmm. seem to have a, a very like older uncle young niece type of situation going on and i think that she reminds him constantly of like 
who he's there to fight for. Yeah, yeah. They, they really leaned into that in the movies, I felt. Um, in in mm-hmm. the books, I really feel like uh, she is – she's definitely that because he's just mentoring all types of people all the time because he's like an old crusty dude who knows a bunch of stuff. You'd want to listen to him probably. <laughs> These people who interact with Wolverine get this extra bit of uh, knowledge or whatever, but he really just encourages them to be themselves. You know what I mean? He he, he isn't trying to make them like him. Most of the people he mentors aren't like him, that young, young Wolverine notwithstanding. Uh, most of the people don't end up being like him. They they become a doper version of themselves. Kitty Pride got super yeah. dope. Uh, you know, every, every, you know all these people. Jubilee, even uh, to, to certain people's minds, got got doper at least uh, hanging out with Wolverine. Mm-hmm. There's so many times, and I, I just like Rogue's vulnerability. Honestly, uh, just that that whole thing about like uh, being able to touch anybody, but there's all these consequences. I mean, I, mm-hmm. there's an obvious there's obvious metaphors there. You know. For sure. Yeah. Rogue's vulnerability and her reluctance to form relationships with people because of it. I think there's so many, like you said, there's metaphors and allegories for um, for that to translate into the real world. That's what's really powerful about her story arc. Like each of them has something mm-hmm. that you're going to relate to. And that's a pretty big deal. Like everybody has some unreasonable fear that can overwhelm them at some point. Uh, people are afraid of of connection. Like, that's a big deal. I mean, to the point that you ruin connection sometimes. Like, there are people who literally ruin relationships and push people away because they fear being liked or whatever thing it is that they fear, you know, that people get yeah, close and, and then uh-huh. they die. Or, yeah, mm. and, and that's just... Well, there's a bunch of stuff. I mean, not to over-intellectualize it too much, but there's a bunch of stuff in her touching people and getting people's powers. Because it's like, you enter into a relationship of, with anybody, a lot of their bullshit gets poured into you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So their, 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 their thoughts, their memories, all that, sh- all the shit that fucks her up in her head or used to back in the old good old Claremont days, they would have her spaz out sometimes and be thinking something that Carol Danvers would have thought. Or like not not mm-hmm. being quite able to be like her own self because she was like basically due to the fact that she took Carol Danvers's powers and basically kept them for until now basically and they they mess with their powers a lot but overall it used to be you know fly lift fifty tons super super invulnerable yeah. yada 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 and uh, so she took that from Carol Danvers she retained that and that's one the only thing she ever retained mm-hmm. from all these times that she touched people was this thing so it was like she got almost soul bonded with Carol Danvers. I love the mental thing of like, yeah, you get with you in this case, it's a metaphor, but like you get with somebody and their stuff infects you. Their perceptions of things can infect you years hence. And I think the Carol Danvers thing like shows how she learned to turn some of those experiences into strengths and Mm -hmm. learned what to keep and what to throw away. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. Um, Okay, so uh, what what do you think is the best thing about uh storm then so yeah that's hard to say but i would say her moral compass stands out the most her um the fact that like every time she takes a life or causes collateral damage she feels that for a long time and she she vows to navigate the world differently from before the incident happened matched with her her ability to kind of sift through her emotions that's something that i admire like i wish i had better control of my emotions so that's one of my favorite things about Storm. That's that's interesting. It's like a, a, a greatest strength, greatest weakness type thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like uh, most of the time she's super chill. In these couple of situations, her emotions that are her, usually her power mess up. I also love the fact that she's just 
I really uh, recall uh, it was right as Claremont was about to leave. Uh, he, he he wrote this Danger Room sequence with Storm and Jean Grey. And like, I think Storm had been like de-aged to like a little girl or something, was just trying to learn her powers or whatever. And then like Jean Grey was sort of an old head with her like X-Factor uniform on trying to teach her some shit. And they were in the danger room, and I and it was uh it was cool how like Storm was able to like spin her around so she couldn't concentrate on her telekinesis and all this different shit. They're little sparring. It was so cool to see like Storm really is. I mean, from for a lot of uh for a lot of kids, Storm was like the first character that looked like them that was actually powerful. Because I mm-hmm. I remember like fucking you know like Luke Cage would be like lifting up a truck, and then they'd have him say something like boy good thing i picked up this truck that didn't have the engine in it it's way lighter than these dudes thought or what energy what the fuck are you doing that for why why what the fuck is that shit storm never did that shit storm was always like if she ran into a barrier it was like oh there's not enough atmosphere up here in space for me to use my space my super dope powers but if i was on earth i'd be fucking everybody up i I would i love that about her and and rogue frankly and gene gray i think a, a big part of this is these aren't characters who have um visually unappealing powers Mm -hmm. uh or indefinable stupid powers or -hmm. weak powers all three of them are killing the game if if you're smart you can imagine dope shit to do with jack dazzler uh but yes i agree that there's another next level and that's what the the level that rogue uh storm and jean gray are on though yeah they don't short any of these women which i think is speaks a lot to like the time these comics were originally written for them to have so much respect for their integrity that that's really freaking cool and you're right dude just to talk about storm just real quick about the times when she didn't have powers I felt like that shit was very powerful because if you look at it, like I'm not trying to be all women's studies up in this piece, but like a dude took her from motherfucking powers and then was like, eh, I, get, I don't know how to give them back to you. And it's not really my call or blah, blah. And then like, she eventually gets them back and she's able to almost like forgive him for his part in it. But yeah. I'm just like, man, it's, it's so powerful. The, the fact that she was able to retain such influence and, and dopeness without her powers. She didn't, she couldn't command the winds and all that jazz, but she was still telling these, she was the captain America of the X-Men, frankly, yeah. for like years. And that's just dope as fuck to me. Yeah. I totally agree with that. Yeah. So how do you decide who's the best out of these three? That's like, that's the hardest question in this situation because like what, is, what makes them the best is like, I mean, you know, I I probably lean towards Storm as an overall, just because if you add in powers, coolness, oh, the look, she's also like for sure the hottest of them all, I would think. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And she's like, I feel like she's also the more badass. Broke's pretty badass, but I feel like I feel like if they were all depowered. Storm would whoop all of their asses <laughs> yeah. in a fucking millisecond. 100%. Yeah. You know, if Jean Grey didn't have power, she'd be like she'd be like a research student or something like that. <laughs> yeah. But like Rogue would still be like fucking shit up, but Storm would <laughs> Storm would be like the leader of the military, probably. Yeah. Like and, and also and Storm would... has like she has so many cool side adventures like when she's involved in the Black Panther universe and yep. you know like her own origin story. There's so much like I don't I can't believe she doesn't have her own movie. She should get her own movie. 
Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think once they do an X Men movie, I think they'll they, they can spin her off. But I would love if they did it old school style and just did like fuck around and do a Storm movie and then have at the end, you know, she meets up with the fucking X Men or whatever. You know what I mean? Or meets mm-hmm. up with Professor X or something. Because I I definitely agree with you that um her upbringing is super dope. But just not to put such a uh, uh open check case on it, I gotta say, Rogue's pathos and the fact that like. Rogue to me is like a glue guy. Like I get a storm is Michael Jordan. No question. But man, Rogue is Scotty Pippen like a motherfucker, man. She's like always there. <laughs> you know, you know, she's she's always there to like take up the slack because like Jordan could be Jordan all he wants, but like there's certain stuff that Pippen had to do for Jordan, like D up anybody from Charles Barkley to the point guard of the other team so that he could rest on offense or rather rest on defense, just get some steals and shit and then come down and blast people. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like there is a lot of like blue guy stuff that rogue does. And I just always remember dope stuff about like, they would use her to put over situations, how dangerous situations were. Like I remember in the fall of the mutants, this dude named the adversary had a big ass like castle in the sky protected by these gale force winds and fucking Rogue tried to fly up into him, and she got slammed down to the earth, and it was like, meteors have hit the earth with less force, and blah, blah. And then she's just, like, crawling out of a crater, and her fucking mullet is all fucked up, and I'm just like, that's adorable, man. She's just yeah. she's just tough, like a punky Brewster, or rather uh, Pippi Longstocking-esque character. You know what I mean? Yeah, just, back. Yeah, I, just, and- I fucking love that shit, man. And she, but she is the muscle too. So like that, like she, if if it's if it was the three of them, and then Juggernaut showed up, Rogue's the one taking on Juggernaut. Yeah, she's probably at the very least giving the final blow that knocks him out. Yeah, because Storm is I mean, more tactical. I feel like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she makes well, like yes. the quicksand to, to make him not be able to move. Quicksand is a big thing for Juggernauts. Spider-Man's beating him with it. You know what I mean? You can't you can't be an irresistible force going forward if you're mired in mud. Uh, yeah. But yeah, but I, I love all the course, times. Of course, you know, we've got to argue that uh, Jean Grey would literally just be like, all right, well, now you're floating. Try to run. Yeah. Jean Grey yeah. holds him still. Storm mm-hmm. keeps them isolated and, and Rogue goes in for the final blow. And then knocks the helmet off and then he's boring ass. <laughs> well, what's it? I, I think the helmet getting off, you know, you got to do some, there's got to be some Megatron level shit happening because I think a Nimrod knocked his helmet off. A couple people have done it, but it's, it's a big feat. It's like grabbing Thor's hammer, knocking the uh, helmet off. Uh, uh, that's, uh, yeah. that's why he, that's why they, I just, that's one thing just, we, we can uh, wrap, wrap side it. Cause we got some time. I loved the X-Men all getting together to fight somebody and use doing scenarios like we just did. Like, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I'll put a force field around him. You put like a gale force storm inside that. And then when when he's got hit by a billion strikes of lightning, we're going to take it all away. And the Colossus is going to pump, punch him in the face. Then the rogue's going to come body slam. him. All, all that type of shit. I'm just a sucker for all that. I think it's one of the things that makes the X-Men so great is they would always run into people that were so badass that it took all of them to do it, even though each and each and every one of them was very powerful. I thought that yeah. was like a lesson about teamwork for kids. Or something. Yeah. Teamwork makes the dream work. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I think maybe it's also like, like, I think it's also a, a lesson about like the good guys work together. Like if you want to be a good guy, you got to form a community. 
Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think that's like a great lesson for kids is that like, Hey, you, the guy, the guy standing by himself who bullies everybody, that guy's an asshole. And, and, uh, if you all come together as a community, that guy is less likely to fuck with you, period. And also you have a better chance of, you know, putting him in some quicksand. Um, mm-hmm. you get it. You get my point. Uh, but basically, <laughs> But also, I think that that's an interesting lesson that we need to be teaching anyways, is that it, 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 sometimes it works out even in these stories where the the guy who's the bully sees the community and is like, that seems much nicer than me standing by myself, always fighting 47 dudes. Maybe I could just yeah. be part of a community. And, and I think that the X-Men does a great job bringing together... Um, like sometimes the bad guys become part of the good guys. And and I, I like when that happens a lot because I'm cheesy. Yeah. And then they have the best track record for it too. You don't see that a lot in JLA or other uh, other like superhero teams. Yeah. Solomon they, Grundy's they never. They're the most convincing. They're the most convincing to be like, join us. We have cookies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We, we, we got a your education. Free college. Free healthcare. We got we got a mutant that has uh, special yeast powers for growing the greatest cookies and banana breads, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we put those in all the open houses. Uh, but I really I really think that overall, though, there is something we were talking last week about uh, greatest team, um, greatest you know comic book teams and stuff. And we kind of gave X Men a short shrift because I think we we knew we were going to do this episode. And I think what's also dope about the X Men is like all these other teams, like everybody can leave. Like everybody in the Justice League could just say "fuck off." I'm going to Ran. I'm going to Themyscira. I'm going to Gotham City. Fuck, fuck all y'all. The X Men kind yeah. of are married to the Charles Xavier's concept, and I think it's interesting to have three women as the pillar of the X Men brand. The X Men don't seem like people who can just go, except maybe Wolverine. They seem kind of married to the concept. Well, until like some of them into their thirties, you know what I mean? They're like still at school. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> they're like super seniors like, <laughs> it's got a, like super duper seniors like hey man you want to play some baggy sack on the quad aren't you 35 yeah. nah bruh no not at all <laughs> this is why i drive this camaro <laughs> well there was always i guess maybe there was like three of them there were like 20 20 20 21 and they were still sort of hanging out at high school with their cool camaros from the 80s and i was like i don't like these guys i don't trust these guys <laughs> At all. What's that movie with uh that's what I like about high school girls? I keep getting older, they stay the same age. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, uh oh, Days to Confused. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's so funny to like render Scott like that. <laughs> like he just he just can't go. I can't, <laughs> I can't move on, bruh. He's like, dude, you should move out and get your own life, you the fucking Van Wilder ass motherfucker. <laughs> Just, just kicking it in college for the foreseeable future. I, I I love to think of it like that. Jean Grey breaks up with him because he can't grow up. <laughs> yeah, a fucking job, dude. I want a more mature man like Logan. He's eighty five. Uh, but one thing I wanted to ask you, uh, Izzy, is okay when you looked at um, Jean Grey just to go beyond her relationships with other people. 
Uh, and I mentioned some stuff about the Phoenix Force Jazz. What did you feel about that? Like, uh, because again, not to pound my point home, but it's like it is kind of weird how like the most powerful like Lady Mutant is saddled with this like legacy of like the superpower is going to come into you. And it's going to it's going to fuck up the world. How did you feel when you read it as, or did you read it as a comic book, or did you first see it in the movies? The one or two times they've done it in the movies. When did you first? When were you first? Yeah, introduced to the concept. Yeah. Uh, I think I was introduced to it through the movies. Yeah, that that is interesting how she seems to be the, the character that can come back the most. I mean, Wolverine has has a healing factor, but if I if I had to put some money on somebody coming back to life, I think I'd pick Jean Grey. And it's it's funny that even in the comics they kind of articulate something like that, you know, like uh she when she got the Phoenix Force in the comic book, she uh she was in a shuttle trying to save some people, it crashed, whatever. The, the Phoenix Force got inside of her, but it actually left her body in a cocoon down there, like remade her and flew around kind of impersonating her for a while. So they could kind of retcon, you know, some of the evil shit that she did uh, and have Jean Grey be like not bad or whatever. It was kind of a, the original spider clone type of thing where it's just like, oh, this this version of the character we read for a while that did a bunch of fucked up crimes like she blew up a galaxy which had like planets in it and like killed a billion people in the comics as phoenix because she was just sort of flexing her phoenix powers doing this that and one of the waves of her doing four shit out in space blew up a whole like solar system full of planets with people on them so it was like she had all these crimes and then the shiar like tried her for these crimes and uh said that she was going to be put to death and then she ended up dying but then she came back later so it's like it was, um, it, it, but then when they brought back Jean Grey, it was like, no, nah, she didn't do any of that shit. The real Jean Grey was at the bottom of the Hudson Bay for the last seven years, you know, and she's a good person. Yeah, that, I mean, that is confusing the way they kind of alternate timelines and stuff like that, or how they, they have to like repair things as they go on and they, they take on new writers who haven't read the whole series. Um, especially in the movies. Well, it's I like, mean, like you wild. said, you know, the episode she's like she kind of can't be killed because she is so integral like when you think of x-men you think of her Mm -hmm. it's true oh man now it's going to be more difficult we i think we all agree that the greatest x-men are women i think we're agreeing with that but figuring Mm -hmm. out which one is the best out of those three oh man well i just i just want to say something about uh rogue as well the thing that's interesting about her beyond these two is that i think both of them I think maybe Storm had less, but if they were going in order, like Jean Grey kind of understood like her state with dudes and everything, but like fucking Rogue was just like so fucked up about it for so long, which is why I think she got trapped in this goofy relationship with Remy LeBeau that I cannot stand because I hate fucking Gambit so much. And I love Rogue so much. It's like when when a couple, like the dude sucks, but the girl is great. And you're just like, fuck it, man. We got to go to these whack ass game nights with this horrible person <laughs> because I got to put I'm just kind of kind of joking. But like, I really like Rogue a lot more than Gambit. And I think her getting with him, him being so persistent and being like, I don't care if your powers take my powers away and fuck me up. I really do love you mm-hmm. beyond all that stuff. I think that's a cute love story, but it is kind of, you know, it yeah. can be twisted in different ways. But like, I, I really think her not being able to touch, get in touch with anybody or touch anybody maybe mm-hmm. caused her to rush into a little bit of a giant relationship with fucking Remy LeBeau because she never had a chance to really sow any oats because if she touched somebody, she would take their powers and fuck them up. Yeah, for sure. I think that kind of sets her up for failure in a sense because mm-hmm. she doesn't get a lot of human contact, even emotionally, because she's always avoiding people. So that 
she's going to wind up dating a lot of shitty dudes. Like in the movies, she had that choice between Pyro and Iceman and her decisions. I mean, they didn't focus a lot on that plot point. They, they weren't really clear, but like those were kind of two shitty choices to be honest. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Like if Wolverine wasn't so old, she would probably have fucked Wolverine. Yeah. Yeah. Get I think everybody mind. would fuck Wolverine, though. That's yeah, the problem. yeah. I think yeah that's a big go. problem. <laughs> in, in that team, there's no who else? Just him and Scott. I guess Angel. I guess. Yeah, Beast. I mean, you Actual guys Beast. are giving Colossus Beast. short shrift here. And oh yeah, Colossus. That's a that's a big hunk of grade A man. I mean, I know a lot of a lot of ladies don't like beefcakes like that, but like he's a nice guy. He's a nice guy. That's true. He, he is, is a nice, nice. guy. He would he would treat you nice. He would probably cook you good food too. You know what I mean? I feel like he's the guy who cooks. Yeah, if you like borscht, you know. What I'm <laughs> <laughs> I do love borscht though. It's so good. Yeah, oh, you're gonna, good I'm very go. excited for all the borscht restaurants that are going to open in the next five to ten years. <laughs> Not related to anything current events. I I remember um, Rogue as. Uh, always having to be so careful and that I do have a big place in my heart for her. Like there was uh, this thing like Colossus was chilling out in the desert and he was trying to draw a picture of Ilyana. Cause they were, they basically what had happened was they were dead. Now they made a deal with a super God and they were dead and cameras couldn't capture them and shit like that. But they had to be in hiding because the X-Men were officially dead and they died heroes in Dallas. So like they're in the outback hiding out, just trying to fuck around, have adventures. And, uh, Colossus had gotten locked in his Colossus form and he was wandering out in the outback and he got so hot that when he was trying to draw Ilyana, the pages burnt up in his hands and storm. I mean, a fucking um, rogue flew down and was like, Hey buddy. And tried to touch him on his arm. And then the, her glove burned off and she was like, Ooh, if my hand touched your skin, I would take your powers and all this, you know, do the thing the comic books do. And then storm flew by and picked him up with some winds and like cooled him off. And I was like, oh, look at them taking care of the boy. Like, these are two great, they're two great characters, man. Rogan, Rogan Storm, just like taking care of the boy. Like, you know, mm-hmm. making sure that he's okay and he's not going through too much emotional turmoil. I love that about them, the whole team thing. Yeah. Like I said, they're they're all very human characters. Like they have they have great empathy in them. And I think that's what makes them stand out from some of the other, from some of the other X-Men, especially you know, Wolverine is known for being, you know, dark and brooding and, and kind of self-centered in many ways. The fact that these yep. women are all so open-hearted and they're willing to give multiple chances and they're open to forgiveness and they're, they're facing exploration, uh, like self-exploration when it, when it's so undefined for them and it, it could, it, you know, it could go either way, especially in Rogue's case. That's what makes them really cool. And what, I, what the? Oh, go ahead. Oh, I said that's what oh. makes them the greatest. Uh, that that is absolutely true and well said. And one thing I want to ask you is, okay, if you're if they put you on X Men books, uh, like tomorrow, they say, hey, is he comic book writer, stand up comedian? Uh, this is mm-hmm. what is your what is your thing that you would want to do with the X-Men, even if it's like a limited series, you don't have to launch the line again or anything, but like something you would mm-hmm. want to do with the X-Men. Cause there's so much shit going on right now. Me personally, yeah. I kind of would just like a reset to, we kick it at the school or on Mars and the school or whatever they're doing. 
but like get back to a little bit of this domestic drama, get back to a little bit of uh, you know, these humans tripping, <laughs> you know what I mean? I, yeah. I that's that's my favorite X-Men. I, you know, them being sort of the kings of the world is cool, but I, I know it can't last on some level. So like uh not to be leading, but like what what do you think you would do with the X-Men? And you can go any direction. If I could go anywhere with it, I mean, yeah. I would probably write a rogue focused book because mm-hmm. uh, I think I can relate to her character the best. Um, but I, I would, I would focus them on their uh, their dichotomy with the evil X Men, the Magneto team, um, mm-hmm. because they're they're kind of two sides of the same coin where they both have very strong arguments for for their morals and what they're fighting for. Um, and like Magneto's not always wrong. Like sometimes he's he's totally correct. You know, these humans, as you put it, they're on their shit and they need to be put in their place because, you know, what they're doing to the X-Men is genocide. Um mm-hmm. but to to get them to find common ground peacefully, um, I mean, obviously there's still be some action in the book and stuff, but to I think to focus on the more diplomatic traits of some of these characters that exist in, in this novel would be mm-hmm. a good focus. Mm-hmm. So like basically yeah. the interpersonal, like getting into um, kind of almost like a Star Trekian, um, like we got to talk it out about this sort of shit, but there's still these big giant things that are happening that could have like action yeah. scenes and misunderstandings and shit. But like the larger part is, is more of a, it isn't a, I, you stepped in my shoe argument. It's a like the, the future of humanity and mutantdom, which is the, those are always the best of the x-men comics i always like how it's like they keep some of their shit in house you know because like look okay we fight each other but like when these humans come up talking some shit like we gotta we kind of gotta wrap it up b <laughs> we gotta get we gotta get together you know what i mean i i kind of love that it's like uh you know your brother or sister you punch the shit out of them but when it comes down to it like somebody else tries to get at them then you're just like okay we have to like bond together yeah 100 yeah, percent. i also but- like pretty much any episode with Magneto in it. Cause I find him to be a very strong and alluring character. So. Yeah. Magneto is one of the best bad guys in existence because uh, you understand it's the same thing with a well-written um, uh, Killmonger. It's, it's when mm-hmm. you, when you understand, when you understand where a character is coming from and why they're doing the things they're doing, even when it is like the wrong choice, it makes it a little mm-hmm. more compelling. And and Magneto does a great job with that, and and I do love the idea that these uh, three characters could like have a conversation with Magneto and really like like show him like, hey, like we all get where you're coming from, but we can't do things this way. We've we've got to live together and and be part of society, and you know, care about each other and stick up for them. As if we stick up for them, eventually they'll stick up for us. At least that's the yeah. hope. Yeah, and, and also I just I don't I wouldn't want to fail to mention um, the uh, Magneto and uh, Rogue uh, were like stranded in the Savage Land for a while, and um, yeah, man, I think I think they they got to know each other pretty good in there in all types of ways, and I think it was interesting that they had. I think at the time she didn't have powers, so she was really free to be whoever she wanted to be, but she was also trapped. You know, in this fucking savage mm-hmm. land with dinosaurs and shit. So you really got to see how resourceful she is without our powers and like got yeah. to see her make all these different choices and shit. I think that's a, for anybody who's really hardcore into Rogue. 
uh a lot of recent stories show are pretty dope but uh uh jim lee and and chris doing her back in the days uh being stranded in the savage land that's a great arc for her get to see her behave in all these different ways and like uh follow the mutants is a big one for her as well i would recommend that um and uh you know in the end i think what we have here is three people who all serve different functions in the x-men and one of them is uh it's just weird to me that they never really make gene a leader but i think that they kind of they kind of want her to be like the ship's counselor to borrow some more star trek terminology i'm sorry but like you know she has to be there for everybody so she can't just be shouting out orders she could totally do it she has a lot of experience but she never really does it so storm does that instead i think that's kind of interesting and i think there are sub x-men teams that rogue has led but she's never really led the big show i don't think uh Mm -hmm. it's interesting that storm amongst all these three characters is the leader and if we're going to look at powers I think Jean Grey at full capacity can beat anybody, but yep. Storm is way up there, right, like neck and neck, even even at full capacity. But like yeah. you know, you Phoenix out, that kind of trumps everything. Uh, but Rogue, I think Rogue would survive a battle between all of them. Like if they all threw down, ultimately in the end, I think mm-hmm. some folks would be dead, and I don't think it would be Rogue <laughs> if she's got her fucking her, her dope ass Carol Danvers powers. You know what I mean? Because I uh, she's a tough one, man. Yeah. Oh, for sure. So I think she would, at the very least, walk away the most or the least emotionally scarred from it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> She's like, I've been through some shit. That's fine. This is fine. This is fine. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'm gonna be okay. It's cool. So, what do you think? Is he, who? If you if you had to pick out of these three, who do you think? Mm-hmm. I don't know. See, now you've convinced me the other way. Cause I was like, I was so on storm at the beginning of this podcast. Like yeah. she's so dope. And now I'm like, oh, I don't know, man, like maybe rogue, but I, I just feel like storm has, has so many abilities in comparison to rogues. Like even rogue has the Carol Danvers in her mm-hmm. storm can manipulate almost any type of matter in our atmosphere um, and use that to her advantage um mm. she, i mean she could combat climate change like that's maybe <laughs> an episode i would write for x-men if if they ever allowed me to. um oh also now that you mention it i would love to do an x-men meets avengers like crossover thing um because they've done that in the past and to to delve deep into that would be really cool but um but that would have to be a storm focused book because because of her and black panther and her again, her her ability for diplomacy, her ability to ma- manipulate matter and electromagnetic fields. I feel like that puts her out on of because Jean can kind of be hit or miss sometimes. Like yeah, when she's at her most powerful, but she really has to like meditate to get there. And Rogue just doesn't have the experience that Storm has. So I think yeah, like power to power, they'd hold up. But Storm beats her out in experience every time. Yeah. But yeah, you made a very strong case for Rogue. Oh, no, I think that's well reasoned. I just didn't want it to be such a cakewalk, man, because I, I really think that um, <laughs> all three of these these uh, characters are very um, they're very powerful in their own right. And again, that they serve all these different functions in the X-Men and they're really integral. And without 
the three of them, I don't find an X-Men book to be an X-Men book. You know, I, I think, so, you know, mm -hmm. they're kind of necessary ingredients in the stew that is the X-Men. So I'm glad that you, you came on to be able to talk to us about them. I think for uh, just real quickly as a JLA uh, uh, X-Men thing, I want them to go to like space. You know what I mean? Like somewhere where it's like the politics of oh, Earth are not sure. there anymore. So that they, so it's more like mm -hmm. um like in the Secret Wars. If you read that, in the Secret Wars, everybody was like all heroes on one side and villains on another side. And they got divvied up by uh, the Beyonder and they put them on a planet so they could fight each other. They put the Doctor Dooms of the world over here and the Mister Fantastic Spider Man's over here, and they kind of had to set up these camps for this giant fight that they were going to have be forced to participate in. But the X Men were still to the side of the heroes. Mm -hmm. The the regular heroes still didn't really trust yeah. or know about the X Men that much. And it was so interesting. I want to mm -hmm. maybe recreate that dynamic with the X-Men and the JLA in space and have them work out, like get, make them have inner inner team relationships to kind of work out their differences so that after they beat the big bad and get back to Earth, maybe shit will get better for a little mm -hmm. while, you know. I'd love that. So maybe we could tag team Are on that in a few me? years. Uh, it's, well, it's, no, a it's a Thanos fight to the death. We're going to get them once and for all. But, uh, well, and so once again, plug your uh, book and how people can connect with you on social media and all that jazz. Um, the book is called The Red Cedar, and it is featured in Mutiny Magazine number one, published by Fairsquare Comics, and you can find them at fairsquarecomics.com. Uh, my social media is at Lucky Salhani, uh, L-U-C-K-Y-S-A-L-H-A-N-I, um, and that's Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook. Check it out, The Red Cedar in Mutiny Magazine number one. Oh, and there's so many great variant covers to choose from. You really can't go wrong with any of them. So, uh, so uh, as always, uh, I want to remind you to rate and review this podcast. Click the subscribe button on your podcast app, and then you'll get us in your feed every single time we come out with a new episode. Join our Patreons, patreon.com slash the greatest pod. You get extra podcasts, and you get uh, some art if you join that tier. So, And as our last word, I will say... When you review the podcast, we'll read your review on the air. Whoever does it, we'll read it. So if you want to talk to us, you want to interact with us, a five-star review is the best thing to do. So thank you guys for listening to another episode of The Greatest Pod.